A global pandemic, the threat from China, but also a 73% approval rating. Those are just some of the things marking the beginning of President Tsai's second term in office. I'm Natalie Self. And I'm Andrew Ryan. Let's check out the stories on our radar. President Tsai Ing-wen has officially begun her second term. She was sworn in on Wednesday in a ceremony that was streamlined due to COVID-19. Tsai begins her second term with a new second-in-command, William Lai, her former premier turned rival in last year's DPP primary. Outgoing Vice President Chen Jianren says he's going back to academia. A slight cabinet reshuffle marked the beginning of Tsai's second term. There are new ministers of culture, science, and national development, but key figures like the health, defense, and foreign ministers are staying in their positions. China has, China has barred Taiwan from taking part in the annual World Health Assembly meeting for a fourth year in a row. The meeting of the WHO's governing body kicked off on Monday in virtual form due to COVID-19. There's been a groundswell of global support for restoring Taiwan's observer status in the assembly, but the WHO says it will wait until later this year to discuss Taiwan's status. The Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company has announced plans to open its second wafer foundry in the U.S. Taiwan government, appro government approval is still needed, but the company expects to bring the plant online in 2024. The company has also stopped taking orders from Huawei in response to tighter U.S. export controls. And under the radar this week, love is in the air. The date May 20th may seem like an ordinary day to English-speaking years, but to Chinese speakers, this date sounds a bit like I love you. The number of weddings on this day went up this year, and newlyweds sported a new look, masks to prevent COVID-19. And now for our words of the week. Andrew, ready to guess? Yes. Applesauce. <laughs> Are you hungry again? I am. <laughs> Music. Ma ma made in Taiwan? Ma Madam, Madam President. That's right. <laughs> I want to congratulate our Madam President, Tsai Ing-wen. She broke the glass ceiling for all women in Taiwan. If a woman can become president, a woman can do anything. She did it without the legacy of a father, a husband, or a brother, right? Yeah. So I think that's quite an achievement. And Independent, yep. Congratulations. Wonderful. All right, you ready for my word? Yes. Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Redo. Resume. Restore. Restart? Ta-da! Ah. Restart. Now, this has two meanings. Uh, one is inspired by the Chinese guiling, which means to restart or go back to zero, which is what we're hoping for for our COVID-19 cases. Um, but beyond that, for a new uh, term in office for President Tsai, it's kind of like a restart for her too. Hit the yes. restart button, let's see where we go. It's a good place to start right now, right? Yep. Let's get these on the shelf. Taiwan's first female president is now the nation's first two-term female president. She was inaugurated on Wednesday. Tsai's ratings are at an all-time high. Let's see what she had to say on Inauguration Day. President Tsai Ing-wen was sworn in for her second term at the presidential office. In January, she was re-elected with 57% of the votes. But inaugural events were scaled down due to the pandemic. 
In her inaugural address, President Tsai highlighted Taiwan's world-class capabilities in producing medical supplies and working to develop a vaccine during this pandemic. The government will continue to support these industries so that Taiwan can be a key source of strength in overcoming global outbreaks. Tsai also plans to strengthen Taiwan's aerospace and renewable energy industries. She believes Taiwan can reach its goal of increasing green energy to 20 percent of its energy profile by 2025. There was no banquet for this year's inauguration, and only 200 people attended the address at the Taipei Guest House. Guests included city and county leaders, foreign representatives, cabinet officials, and the National Epidemic Prevention Team. Tsai said the world already sees Taiwan as a democratic success story. She said Taiwan will continue working to participate in international organizations and strengthen partnerships with like-minded countries. As for relations with China, Tsai said cross-strait ties should be built on the principles of peace, parity, democracy and dialogue. President Tsai said the legislature will form a constitutional reform committee to discuss amendments to the Constitution and human rights issues. Lowering the voting age from 20 to 18 will be a priority issue on the agenda. Tsai thanked the people of Taiwan for working together to fight COVID-19. She said Taiwan's success has fostered a sense of national pride and solidarity that will live on in people's hearts. Taiwan is populated by kind and resilient people, she said. We can always count on our democracy and solidarity to weather difficult times. This year's inauguration was very different from Tsai's first inauguration, and that's of course because of the global pandemic. How different was it? Well, Leslie Liao has the answers in today's Taiwan Explained. Now, I was a member of staff during Taiwan's 14th presidential inauguration in 2016. Now, according to Natalie and Andrew, that makes me qualified to tell you <laughs> the differences between the inauguration yesterday and the one before it. That's right. So you Very got 60 coffee. seconds. You ready? Let's do it. All right, go. All right. So both inaugurations were held on May 20th. In 2016, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs held a reception for 700 foreign dignitaries on the night before her inauguration. Tsai and Vice President Chen Jianren took their oath of office in the morning at the presidential office. After that, special guests took turn congratulating Tsai, while a crowd of 30,000 enjoyed performances outside. Wow. Tsai then gave a speech in front of the presidential office building. Ooh. That night, there was an, an official banquet at the Taipei Marriott Hotel. Fast forward to 2020, the inauguration is streamlined due to the pandemic. Foreign ministry reception? Nope. Overseas guests? Not invited. There was a swearing-in ceremony and a smaller meet-and-greet with representatives to Taiwan, but no one shook hands, they just bowed at a distance. Overseas dignitaries congratulated Tsai via video, and instead of a big stage setup, they moved everything across the street to the Taipei guest house. Tsai gave her speech before a crowd of 200. There were no banquets. Wow, wow good job. Nice. You told us all of that Ooh. less than a minute. <laughs> Ooh, my heart is racing. <laughs> you did wow. a great job. Now, Leslie, you actually got an inside look at the inauguration back in 2016. That's what right. was your job? So I was in the, uh, the, with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, the Department of Protocol, mm -hmm. and that handles anything and everything to do with foreign dignitaries. And like I said, there were over 700. Wow. So I think there were 23 different uh, like delegations, wow. and our department had to oversee like buses, transportation, and uh, it was really interesting. But we also were in charge of also setting up the planning for the banquets and a lot of the inauguration. Wow. Everything from the seating to, I remember my boss, 
He was just like, I'm not going to be here this afternoon. And I was like, why? He's like, I'm going tasting for the inauguration banquet. I'm like, oh, enjoy. That's the best part of the job. For him, yeah. Um, our job was more to make sure everything was very smooth. So when you see, like, President Tsai, her motorcade pulls up to the front of the Taipei guest house like it did yesterday. She didn't have to wait for anything, right? Wow. Everybody else waited for her. Right. Did you get one of those, like, little phone wires behind your ear? We did. You we did. did. And uh, it was, uh, there was a whole science to, like, uh, attaching it to your suit, right? So do you make sure the the wires <laughs> don't nice. show up? Yeah. And like I was the best one at that. So like everyone's just like, all right, Leslie, you have to equip everybody's uh, like earphone to their. All right, from now on, like our microphones for Taiwan Insider, you're gonna put them. These on. are different. These are different. Like the over-the-ear ones with the walkie-talkie. Yeah. Like there's a way to like set it up on the uh, the suit to make sure like everything doesn't show up and it just everything's over the ear. Fun. But the thing is, it's impossible to hear, hear through those things. Oh. So, like, anytime, like, there's seven people maybe on the conversation, all you hear is, like, static. So that's why all those uh, spy guys look so cool. They're like, uh, yes, really yeah, actually got to the hear, president. Yeah. What did you say? <laughs> what? Who's coming down? So I heard you got to look at her new car, the new Audi. That's car. right. What was it like? Um, so my detail during the presidential banquet, it was at night at the Taipei Marriott. I was on the first floor. Uh, in the valet area so when she pulled up her motorcade was there just waiting for her because she's the president her, she can park anywhere she wants mm. <laughs> during that time they had a uh, there was big news that uh, Taiwan for the first time gave the contract for the presidential vehicle from BMW to Audi and there was news about like the specs of the car and what it can and can't do did you get to see inside of it? Uh, kind of the, the secret service let me do it because I was a little too curious but like they, <laughs> they're just like they knew what was going on because like um, I was standing outside with the secret service agent and I was just like like I was just like looking over at him and he knew he, I was looking over I was like I was like, is that the new AA? <laughs> he's like yeah yeah he's like yeah it's the new I'm like can it really do everything the media says it can do? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And then he kind of like showed me around a little bit. He showed us, he showed, he showed like, I'm not sure I'm allowed to like say what he showed me. But the, th- the really cool thing was like, he was just like, all right, you know what? Um, try and like open the door. And the door is really heavy because those things are bulletproof. Mm. Oh. They're like bulletproof and fireproof and um, they can keep out. Uh, certain poisonous gases and things like Amazing. that. Oh, yeah, that's cool. That's so awesome. good to know she's safe. Like, oh my goodness! <laughs> it was a really heavy door, and you have to have so much back strength. So I have nothing but respect for the guys who have to like follow her around, open mm. the door constantly because she's it's a constantly good workout on the move. for them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, that's amazing. Thank you so much for giving us this insider look at uh, the presidential. This is Taiwan Insider. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, Taiwan Explained for this week. This week on Hashtag Taiwan, I want to talk to you about this lady, this dude, and these two music videos. Now, there's a lot to unpack this week, so let's just jump right into it. This woman is an artist known as Fanny Lu. She grew up in Taiwan, though she is controversial because of her pro-China views. RTI recently published a news article about how more people than ever think Taiwan should become a normal country, so Fanny's stance is rather unpopular. In the beginning of the month, Fanny released a video praising China. In the video, a man wearing green, which are colors symbolic of Taiwanese independence, attempts to remove Taiwan from a map of China. Check it out for yourself. (laughs) 
Fanny lays the smack down on the guy and goes on to sing China's praises. She lists the Chinese provinces one by one, and then in the end says, Oh, China. The video has not been well received. As of recording, it has about 2,000 likes and 42,000 dislikes on YouTube. As you know, people on the internet, they like what they like and they absolutely hate what they dislike. But there's only so much you can do about content you don't like, right? What do you want me to do? Dress a dragon? Do the hula? I know, I know, it's a lot to unpack. That's Brian Tang. He is a self-made talk show host in Taiwan, and he has a background in biology and neuroscience, but he's committed himself to a career in comedy, and oh boy, is he good at it. Brian made a parody of Fanny's song, listing off Taiwanese counties instead of Chinese provinces. Brian's music video is a near shot-for-shot -shot remake of Fanny's. It replaces a lot of the lyrics and imagery with Taiwanese equivalents. And don't worry, Brian doesn't leave out the most important part. However, the fun doesn't stop there. If you look closely, the male model in both the videos are the same person. Now that's Guo Su Ting, and he's actually come out to say that he's thankful to Brian for giving him the opportunity to participate in the parody. Originally, Guo said he thought representing Taiwan in Fanny's video was a good thing, but he got a lot of backlash. Guo was worried that it was a career-ending move, but thanks to the opportunity Brian gave him, he said he felt like he redeemed himself. Now, anybody who is willing to dress themselves in drag and upload it to the internet certainly has my respect. Are you ready to take the Taiwan news quiz? This is our lightning round. That means we have 60 seconds on the clock, and Natalie and Leslie are going to work together to see how many answers they can get correct when I'm asking questions about the news this week in Taiwan. Are you ready? Yes. All right, 60 seconds on the clock, go. All right. What international meeting kicked off on Monday without Taiwan? WHA. That's correct. What high-profile figure was conspicuously absent from President Tsai's inauguration on Wednesday? Mind Joe. Han Guoyu. That's the one I was going for. Okay. They were both gone? Yeah, yeah they were both All right. gone. Two points. Uh, overseas dignitaries were also absent from the inauguration. How many sent their congratulatory messages by 44? video? Nope. 72? 92. 92. All right. President Tsai's new cabinet was sworn in this week, but women's rights groups say that it was the lowest percentage of women in the cabinet in how many years? How many years? 12? Ever? 30 years. Oh, uh, wow. Taiwan is planning to reduce quarantine time for people coming to Taiwan to do what? Business. That's correct. Short business trips. Migrant workers groups are protesting after Taipei Main Station said it might continue the ban on what? Sitting, Sitting on the, the ground. That's right. Kuomintang Chairman uh, Jiang Qichen said that his party is not good at what? Campaigning? Nope. <laughs> I don't know. Being an opposition party. Oh. <laughs> oh. 
All right, I have, uh, I have one more bonus question for you this week. This week, a 106-year-old man broke the record for oldest person to paraglide in Taiwan. How old is the person who has the Guinness record? Oh, it's a Guinness record. Oh, older than him then. Oh. 108? 110? Actually, it's 104. If he'd gotten the Guinness Book of World Records to come and watch him oh, do it. Oh, no. What? They have to be here? Yes. They could, he could have been what? the oldest they, person they in the, the world. But took the video and everything. I know. You have Aww. to have three people uh, observing, plus oh, I think no. somebody from the Guinness Book of World Records. Aww. But in our That's hearts, okay. <laughs> Yo Bebe, you're always number one. Uh, and, of course, we're going to finish off with a little video of him doing this amazing feat. Let's have a look. Prepare for liftoff. 106-year-old Yo Deshing takes to the skies. With the guidance of a coach, Yo is paragliding. He's a little nervous at first, saying a little prayer in the air. But after a while, Yo is absolutely loving the experience. Cautious prayers turn into joyous hymns, and Yo even raises his hands and legs as he flies through the sky. Just look at him go. After 10 minutes, Yo and his coach come in for a bit of a rough landing, but he's a-okay. And he's just set the record as the oldest man to ever paraglide in Taiwan, but not without getting the go-ahead from medical experts first. Yo says that it was amazing to be able to see such an expansive view. He said that he witnessed the glory of God's creation and that it was beautiful. Grandpa Yo's 10-minute flight is more proof than ever that age is just a number. I don't know if you noticed, but in today's program, we put some fun things on the shelf. We have a can of inauguration beer, and we have a glass bottle from 2016. Uh, the right. inauguration from four years ago. This is the same design as the stamp, and it's been sitting in my closet for the past four years, you guys. So uh, drink it, huh? I would advise against it. Well, why don't you save that one? We'll uh, use these ones okay. for now. All right. Thank you. Alrighty. So for Taiwan Insider, I'm Andrew Ryan. I'm Natalie So. I'm Leslie Liao. Cheers. 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 The sound of the Puyuma tribe on Radio Taiwan International. as they sample their way through Taiwan's culinary delights. Andrew, I thought we said no more intestines! <clears throat> That's on Feast Meets West, every Saturday, only on Radio Taiwan International. Radio for refined palates. Listen, are you listening? <laughs> 
This is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Taiwan today with Natalie So. Hello and welcome to Taiwan today. I am Natalie So. President Tsai Ing-wen was inaugurated for her second term on Wednesday. She gave an inaugural speech outlining her goals for the next four years and thanking everyone in Taiwan for joining in the fight against COVID-19. Today, I talk with political scientist Spencer Yang of Taiwan's Chinese Culture University about Tsai's speech. Now, Tsai's approval rating is at an all-time high of over 70 percent. Yang tells me why he thinks that's the case. Because, you know, similar to the U.S., when the nation faced the crisis, uh, the uh, the leaders' uh, popularity would also rise because people fear that the only thing we can do is to consolidate, you know, around the leaders, mm-hmm. yeah, to lead us, you know, to to overcome the crisis. That that's a common mentality that uh, you know in the historical events. We also observed you know, a similar situation, like the nine one one incidents. Incidents, yeah. Uh, President Bush, you know, has the historical popularities. And I think that Taiwan has done a very a good job of containing the pandemic. So I think people are probably very grateful for that. I mean, the the government and and you know everybody involved, the people as well. So I think that's that's. Pro- Do you think that's the main reason her approval rating is high, or are there any other reasons? Yeah, of course. You know, uh, by effectively you know, containing the, uh, the the spread, you know, or the expansion of the pandemic, I, I think that earned a good reputation uh, for Thai's government. Yeah, but the most difficult period has not yet you know, arrived. You know, because uh, by doing so, uh, Taiwan actually sacrificed the economic activities. In what way? You know, many uh, you know restaurants they uh, go bankrupted. And many public activities, you know, uh, are closed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, for a country with 23 million people, and you have only around 400 confirmed cases. I think some of the policies to prohibit the uh, economic activities, like the 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 night shops, mm. you know, uh, they were compelled to to close down. And uh, the restaurants, the government has messages, you know, to uh, discourage people uh, to to go outside, you know, those kind of things. I think it's, uh, to a certain extent, my opinion, uh, I think it's overreacted. Mm. So this explains why Taiwan can be so efficient, you know, in containing the uh, pandemic. And now we have to face the situation, how to recover the mm-hmm. economic activities. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me some of the the activities of the citizens may have trouble to return. Well, um, I did notice that she, you know, President Tsai in her speech did mention she wants to establish a committee for constitutional reform. And do you think that she's moving towards uh, changing the national identity? Yeah, this is the part I feel dissatisfied with her speech. Okay, she, she mentioned 
there are four major uh, respects, you know, in her uh, next four years. Mm-hmm. The first one uh, she listed is the development, the stimulation of economic activities, mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, uh, the productions. I think that is correct. That because Taiwan is a small island, we depend on the uh, foreign trade to maintain the prosperity. So Tai uh, leads the uh, recovery of economy as her first priority. I think this is correct. But as you know, Taiwan faced a dilemma that Taiwan uh, heavily depended on business with China. Yeah, so to solve or to put aside the political uh, controversy with China you know, would be the conditions to recover the, uh, the trade relation with China. Yeah, so it seems to me if you list the business activity or economic activities as your first priority, then you should play down the political issues. So she mentioned that she will conduct the, the constitutional revisions. I think it's uh, some kind of uh, conflict, you know, with her priority. Yeah, she can do it, you know, but in her inauguration speech, she can choose not to mention that. She can say, well, this is the legislative branch initiation, so we can see you know, how it goes. And she continued to say that the, the defense industries, the, the revision of the constitutions are also her key policy, which I, I, I think will provoke some kind of suspicion from the other side of Taiwan's trade. What do you think she's uh, trying to get at with her, you know, mention of defense and civilian sectors working together for yeah. the defense industry? What do you think she's trying to emphasize here or planning? Okay, maybe she mentioned that in response to the uh, U.S. warning, because in the past few months, the uh, U.S. officials already provide some warnings to Taiwan that the military confrontation with China is inevitable in the near future. So this is why Taiwan must make some response, you know, to show to the U.S. that she already heard about the warning. The other possibility, as I mentioned before, that uh, when the nation uh, faced the crisis, the leader's uh, popularity can simultaneously to rise. Yeah, so she may also like to to keep the people uh, feel alert that would be helpful you know for her to consolidate her power well she also did mention that she has six core strategic industries that she wants to develop including you know information digital industry cybersecurity uh, biotech and also renew- renewable energy uh, national defense industries what do you think of these plans that she has yeah, that's, that's critical, you know, very critical to Taiwan's economic development. But the problem is, you know, for example, like she mentioned, the 5G development. Mm-hmm. And as we know that the, the 5G technology, you know, China has the leading edge. Yeah, so by uh, saying that uh, you will put the 5G technology as part of the industrial development, maybe you should explain to the people how you choose, you know, the technology. The technology developed by America or the technology developed by Huawei by China. We you know we need a more clear signals, you know, about the directions of your strategy. Well, if I'm... you choose mm-hmm. that uh, you will you will make more cooperative with China's 5G technology, then the improvement with China, uh, with the 
cross-trade relations would become critical. Oh, on this topic, on TSMC, they yeah. just you know decided to stop taking orders from Huawei, and they're going to set up a you know plant in the U.S. All this was announced within the last week. What do you think about that development? That that's this is why I, I feel that speech is filled with the uh, the, the rhetoric. Mm-hmm. You know. As you see, the uh, TSMC is a very important problem, you know, to Taiwan. You know, according to the media report, uh, TSMC, according to their cost estimation, you know, they don't think it's a good deal, you know, to move the t- production line, you know, to America. Right. So th- there are some kind of uh, political consideration involved that the TSMC was compelled by U.S. and Taiwan government to move to to. To America, mm-hmm. yeah. So, if Thai's government feel the assistance uh, of the the high tech uh, industries is very important, then she should give some hint about how the government will do in the future. Yeah, to help in that situation. Yeah, instead of uh, just give some uh, slogans to say, "Well, that's important that we will help the industries to develop." I'm also curious what you think about. Taiwan-China ties at this time. You know, it's been four years since President Tsai has been in office, and China has been giving uh, Taiwan a lot of pressure since she came yeah. to office. Do you expect it to get worse? I think it will be worse, particularly uh, the uh, the Thai's government in the past year already took the stance during the China-U.S. Uh, threat controversy. Tsai's position is very clear that uh, she is uh, tiered toward the U.S., you know, in the in her first inauguration uh, four years ago, China has said that uh, you did not answer the exam sheets. But this time, I think they lost the patience. You know, they don't want to wait and see. I think they have a conclusion already that they they feel uh, uh, disappointed uh, disappointed. You know, with Thai's uh, tenure. You know, so they they don't give it uh, any hope that uh, she will improve or she will come back to to make a more friendly uh, relation with China. So I think China uh, will take some uh, uh, defensive policies or even more aggressive policies, you know, against Taiwan, particularly on the economic front. Do you think the military conflict is possible? Uh, I think the possibility is small. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, there are so many economic means that China can can take mm-hmm. uh, to put the pressures on Taiwan. For example, ECFA, you know, uh, would expire, you know, the 10-year period mm-hmm. by uh, September. Taiwan has uh, 6,000 products uh, who enjoy the uh, uh, tax reductions under the ECFA's uh, proposal. China has a uh, good reason to terminate uh, ECFA. And uh, if China decided to take that step, it would have some impact on Taiwan's uh, economy, especially the agricultural products. We can say that uh, the president has a, a lot of challenges ahead of her, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, in the next yeah, four years, yeah. especially on the China front. It seems to me that is the, the key issues. But it seems that China would only be willing to engage in dialogue if we recognize one China. And, and that's really not what she wants to do, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's so just... that's the dilemma. <laughs> that's the dilemma. Right. Yeah, she 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 should use her uh, wisdoms, you know, to to solve the dilemma. 
That was political scientist Spencer Young of Taiwan's Chinese Culture University giving us his perspectives on President Tsai Ing-wen's inaugural speech and the challenges that she will face in her second term. Now join me for our weekly news quiz. The sound of the Puyuma tribe on Radio Taiwan International. Are you ready to take the Taiwan news quiz? This is our lightning round. That means we have 60 seconds on the clock. And Nally and Leslie are going to work together to see how many answers they can get correct when I'm asking questions about the news this week in Taiwan. Are you ready? Yes. All right, 60 seconds on the clock, go. All right, what international meeting kicked off on Monday without Taiwan? WHA. That's correct. What high-profile figure was conspicuously absent from President Tsai's inauguration on Wednesday? Mind Joe. Han Goryu. That's the one I was going for. Okay. They were both gone? Yeah, yeah they were both gone. All right, gone. two points. Uh, overseas dignitaries were also absent from the inauguration. How many sent their congratulatory messages by 44? video? Nope. 72? 92. 92. All right. President Tsai's new cabinet was sworn in this week, but women's rights groups say that it was the lowest percentage of women in the cabinet in how many years? 12? Ever? 30 years. Oh, uh, Taiwan wow. is planning to reduce quarantine time for people coming to Taiwan to do what? Business. That's correct. Short business trips. Migrant workers groups are protesting after Taipei Main Station said it might continue the ban on what? Sitting, Sitting on the ground. Hall. That's right. Kuomintang Chairman uh, Jiang Qichen said that his party is not good at what? Campaigning? Nope. <laughs> I don't Being know. an opposition party. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. I have, uh, I have one more bonus question for you this week. This week, a 106-year-old man broke the record for oldest person to paraglide in Taiwan. How old is the person who has the Guinness record? Oh, it's a Guinness record. Oh, older than him then. Oh. 108? 110? Actually, it's 104. If he'd gotten the Guinness Book of World Records to come and watch him oh, do it. Oh, no. What? They have to be here? Yes. They could, he could have been what? the oldest they, person they in the, the world. took the video and everything. I know. You have Aww. to have three people uh, observing, plus oh, I think no. somebody from the Guinness Book of World Records. Oh. But in our That's hearts... Okay. <laughs> Yo, baby, you're always number one. And that is Taiwan Today for the week. Thank you for joining me. I am Nellie So, and I'll see you next week. Van Trieste and the destination Tainan and Taipei.
Every September, the halls of Taiwan's Confucius temples fill up to commemorate the birthday of the great sage. He may have lived thousands of years ago, but these temples still faithfully mark the occasion with solemn ceremonies and carefully prescribed rituals that themselves have long histories. Stately melodies are played on old instruments, some of which have become rare outside of these rites. Children in ceremonial robes move as one in a polished performance they've been practicing for months. This kind of reverence for Confucius goes back centuries in Taiwan. And over time, two Confucian temples have become especially well-known, both for their importance and for the pageantry of their September rituals. This week, we're taking a look at the history of these two temples, one of them Taiwan's oldest, and the other among the most famous and widely visited. Chinese culture is deeply steeped in Confucius's thought, and early Chinese immigrants to Taiwan would certainly have been familiar with the idea of honoring the sage. But in their early years on the island, when they were concentrated in the southern port of Tainan under Dutch rule, there were no temples to conduct rites in. In any case, with many of the immigrants being farmers, craftsmen, or entrepreneurs, chances are that ritual specialists familiar with the proper procedures were thin on the ground. Things changed, though, after 1662, when the half-Chinese warlord Koxinga expelled the Dutch from the island. Under Koxinga and his descendants, the former Dutch colony on Taiwan became a sort of private kingdom for around 20 years. Confucian institutions seem to have come up as a priority early on. A few years after the takeover, an administrator serving under Koxinga's son suggested that a Confucian temple be put up in Tainan, where ethnic Chinese were still concentrated. Koxinga's son took this advice in 1665, and Taiwan's first Confucian temple was completed the next year. At first, the temple was relatively small. There was a hall where offerings to Confucius could be presented, and a lecture hall of sorts, where young students could be instructed in classical texts and learn their meanings. Still, an important piece of ethnic Chinese culture had arrived in Taiwan, and from this small core, the Tainan Confucius Temple would grow. In 1683, Imperial Chinese forces ended the rule of Koxinga's family and incorporated the Chinese-settled part of Taiwan into the empire. That same year, two imperial officials had the Confucius temple repaired. They added a central hall and turned the temple into Taiwan's first real center of Confucian learning, the sort of place whose students had passed Confucian exams and might go on to become government officials. Over the centuries that have followed, a number of expansion projects have been recorded. Gates, a pond, a shrine to the god of learning, and a memorial hall for good officials and filial children are all among the new additions that have been built over the years. Repair work and reconstruction has also been a part of this regular process. The temple has seen over 30 rebuilding projects in all, as earthquakes and natural wear and tear have taken their toll. Tainan, in the south, remained Taiwan's administrative capital for several centuries. But as time went on, Chinese immigration began filtering into other parts of the island as well. In the 19th century, the northern part of Taiwan began gaining importance as well. 
well. A Confucius temple was commissioned here too, joining a growing number of temples built outside of Tainan. This new temple was built close to where work on the new walled city of Taipei was ongoing. It was completed in 1884 with a shrine to Confucius and a ceremonial hall. Local people took the correct performance of the ceremonies seriously, and it's said that in the 1890s, ritual experts were brought in to make sure that everything was done just right. With their guidance, the Taipei Temple hosted the area's first Confucian rites in 1894. But unlike the Tainan Temple down south, the Taipei Confucius Temple would not have the luxury of peaceful expansion. The same year the first ceremonies took place, war broke out between Imperial China and Japan. It was a war that Imperial China would lose. Though the fighting had been concentrated elsewhere, Imperial China was forced to hand over Taiwan to Japanese control in the treaty that restored peace. Now, the classical education these temples promoted would be replaced by a colonial school system. Both the temples in Tainan and Taipei were commandeered by the Japanese military. Fortunately, the original Confucian temple in Tainan held up fairly well under new management. It survived stints as a military dormitory and later as a public school building. In 1917, a group of local elites raised the funds to have the temple redone, and it's this version of the temple that we still have today. The compound contains 15 buildings and plenty of open space among them. The whole complex is surrounded by a big red wall, and some early features still survive, like a stone inscription at the front gate reminding visitors to please dismount their horses before entering. The newer temple in Taipei wasn't so lucky. In 1907, it was torn down altogether so that a girls' high school could be built on the site. But the people of Taipei didn't give up on Confucius and his rights so easily. During the 1920s, there was a fundraising drive seeking to raise the funds for a new Confucius temple. Taipei's wealthy opened their wallets. By this point, there was a lack of locals with the skills needed to build a Confucian temple properly. Fortunately, the backers of a new temple found a master craftsman from mainland China who was in Taipei at the time, working on several other temples. The temple was completed in 1930, and the rites marking Confucius's birthday returned to Taipei for the first time in 30 years. Despite growing pressure through the 1930s for Taiwanese people to take on Japanese ways, the Taipei Confucius Temple continued to expand. By 1939, new gateways, ponds, and walls had all been built. But, like the temple's early days, these years of growth wouldn't last. By this point, Japan was at war again in China, and a war in the Pacific wasn't far away. In 1940, Confucian rites were banned altogether, and for a time, Taipei's Confucius Temple became the site of Japanese Shinto ceremonies instead. With its defeat at the end of the war, Japan relinquished control of Taiwan to the Republic of China. This new government was keen on restoring Confucius's place in Taiwan. The ceremonies were brought back. 
damage to the old Tainan Temple in the south was repaired. The temple has since become a first-class national historic site and a symbol of Taiwan's old capital. Meanwhile, in Taipei, Taiwan's new capital, an especially big fanfare, was planned to greet Confucius's 2,500th birthday in 1950. The once privately run temple has been given to the government. These days, the grand ceremonies here often attract big crowds and an array of VIPs, including a descendant of Confucius himself. Despite several interruptions, a tradition of commemorating one of Asia's most influential thinkers has continued in Taiwan since the 17th century. And in both the island's oldest temple and its most famous, that tradition continues. I'm John Van Trieste, and I hope you'll join me again next week for another Journey Through Time. The Sound of the Puyuma Tribe on Radio Taiwan International. Now, I was a member of staff during Taiwan's 14th presidential inauguration in 2016. Now, according to Natalie and Andrew, that makes me qualified to tell you <laughs> the differences between the inauguration yesterday and the one before it. That's right. So you Very got 60 qualified. seconds. You ready? Let's do it. All right, go. All right. So both inaugurations were held on May 20th. In 2016, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs held a reception for 700 foreign dignitaries on the night before her inauguration. Tsai and Vice President Chen Jianren took their oath of office in the morning at the presidential office. After that, special guests took turn congratulating Tsai, while a crowd of 30,000 enjoyed performances outside. Wow. Tsai then gave a speech in front of the presidential office building. That night, there was an, an official banquet at the Taipei Marriott Hotel. Fast forward to 2020, the inauguration is streamlined due to the pandemic. Foreign ministry reception? Nope. Overseas guests? Not invited. There was a swearing-in ceremony and a smaller meet-and-greet with representatives to Taiwan, but no one shook hands, they just bowed at a distance. Overseas dignitaries congratulated Tai via video, and instead of a big stage setup, they moved everything across the street to the Taipei guest house. Tsai gave her speech before a crowd of 200. There were no banquets. Wow, wow good job. Nice. You told us all of that Ooh. less than a minute. <laughs> Ooh, my heart is racing. <laughs> you did wow. a great job. Now, Leslie, you actually got an inside look at the inauguration back in 2016. That's what right. was your job? So I was in the, uh, the, with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, the Department of Protocol, mm -hmm. and that handles anything and everything to do with foreign dignitaries. And like I said, there were over 700. So wow. I think there were 23 different uh, like delegations, wow. and our department had to oversee like buses, transportation, and uh, it was really interesting, but we also were in charge of also setting up the planning for the banquets and a lot of the inauguration, wow. everything from the seating to, I remember my boss, he was just like, I'm not going to be here this afternoon. And I was like, why? He's like, I'm going tasting for the inauguration banquet. I'm like, oh, enjoy. That's the best part of the job. For him, yeah. Um, our job was more to make sure everything was very smooth. So 
when you see like President Tsai, her motorcade pulls up to the front of the Taipei guest house like it did yesterday. She didn't have to wait for anything, right? Wow. Everybody else waited for her. Right. Did you get one of those like little phone wires behind your ear? We did. You we did. did. And uh, it was uh, there was a whole science to like uh, attaching it to your suit, right? So do you make sure the the wires <laughs> don't nice. show up? Yeah. And like I was the best one at that. So like everyone just like. All right, Leslie, you have to equip everybody's uh, like earphone to their... Well, that's amazing. Thank you so much for giving us this insider look at uh, the presidential this inauguration. This is Taiwan Insider. Yeah. <laughs> and that's uh, Taiwan Explained for this week. RTI, exercise for your mind. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC, on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC, on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC, on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. Thank you.